Yeah, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the papers for Wednesday. It's the 28th of February, 2024. Ordinarily, this would be the final day of the month, but this is a leap year. So we have a 29th tomorrow, so there you are. If you might be, ex- you might be expecting to be paid today, and it might turn out you're not paid today. You might have to wait until tomorrow. I don't know how it works. It has been a very long time since I worked for anybody other than myself. Let us go to the front pages of the dailies. We'll start with the Daily Mail. Indefensible is the headline on the front page of the Daily Mail. Indefensible is the headline. What's it about? Well, it's about the military. And the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, who will present his budget next week. And there are claims. The budget is trailed, you see, in the run-up to the announcement. You get little nuggets, you get little leaks and whatnot. And it is believed that there will not be a boost for defence spending. The Mail, unsurprisingly, calls it indefensible, despite growing global threats and warnings from top military brass the Chancellor rejects calls to boost the forces. So yeah, you've got the warmongering, conservative-supporting, whoring Daily Mail, trumpeting or demanding that the Chancellor increases spending for the military while claiming there are growing global threats. There are not, of course. These threats are imagined, dreamt up to scare people in countries into complying with the draconian Agenda 2030 and Great Reset Agendas. That's what it's all about, really. There are no global threats to Britain or to Ireland or to France. It's all bollocks. You know this, I know this. The Times, you've made point, now end protests, says cleverly. We'll talk about this in a few minutes. He's the Home Secretary. And he's calling on pro-Palestinian protesters to just stop it now. Just stop it. You've made your point. And you don't need to continue, is what he is saying. And he's asking them to stop because the police do not have the resources to continue policing the protests. We'll come back to it in a moment. I should mention, by the way, that nearly every newspaper does carry a photograph of Thomas Kingston and Lady Gabriella Windsor. Now, Thomas Kingston has died I don't know, is he 45, is he 46 years of age? I was listening to this yesterday, I had a very busy day yesterday with engineers from broadcast radio in Hull um, tinkering with the studio all day long. It all went very well, thankfully. We're back up and running. There wasn't anything wrong, it just needed some work. The, this is a death in the royal family, which has left the royal family shocked. So that is uh, Thomas, Thomas or Thomas Kingston. And Lady Gabriella Windsor. The Daily Telegraph will come back to Cleverly's call for Palestinian protesters to just stop. Daily Telegraph, UK blocks Macron's bid to send troops to Ukraine. Definitely coming back to that. Uh, He was 45, according to the Telegraph. Uh, Thomas Kingston, Lady Gabriella Windsor's husband. Um, So Macron... And troops in Ukraine will definitely come back to it. The Daily Mirror. Prince still doesn't get it, is the headline. It has a photograph of Andrew, Charles's brother. 
What's it about? Well, there was a memorial service for King Constantine of Greece uh, held at uh, Windsor at Windsor Cathedral. Is that right? Is that where it happened? Anyway, he attended it and he's out in front walking alongside his ex-wife, ex-wife with a big grin on his face. The, the mirror says this guy should basically be in hiding because of his friendship with the late paedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Metro headline, £16 for a pack of cigs. And that's a, a claim that smoking or smokers will be aghast, will be angry next week as a pack of 20 cigarettes is set to set smokers back £16 after the budget is announced, claiming that basically Hunt is going to levy more taxation on tobacco. Might come back to that a bit later on. Uh, The Guardian, Tories putting party before sexual assault claim, says alleged victim. What's that about? Well, that's about a woman who says she was sexually assaulted by a Tory MP. She's accused the Conservative Party of being more interested in its own reputation than her welfare. That's inside The Guardian, theguardian.com forward slash UK, if you want to read that in depth. The Express leads front page with a photograph of Lee Anderson, this idiotic Tory MP who has been suspended. Headline, I'm not racist, Lee Anderson says he speaks for Tory faithful. You know what this is all about right now. He said London's Mayor Sadiq Khan, Labour M, well, former Labour MP, now Labour's London Mayor. Uh, Anderson said he's controlled by Islamists and he's been suspended because of that. He says it doesn't make me racist. I'm just speaking for the, for the people. The Sun, Hugh Rowe, BBC say sorry. Hugh Edwards, you might remember, BBC News presenter, one of the more senior presenters, resigned, basically went into hiding over allegations that he was having a relationship with or that he had pursued a teenager, you might remember. Uh, The BBC is running this story today saying the BBC has apologised for its handling of the complaint or the scandal. Financial Times, Thames Water pushes for higher bills, lower fines and right to pay dividends. Uh, Thames Water is lobbying ministers and the regulator, which is uh, off what, for approval to increase bills. Why not? Why not? People are not fucked enough. Let's increase their water charges. Uh, The Daily Star, Swifties Dancing with the Devil, is the headline. Shane Lynch, a member or a former member of Boys Own, uh, Ronan Keating, of course, yeah, um, he has accused Swift of being a Satanist, <laughs> apparently. And that is the headline on the front page of The Star. Let's have a look inside. This is The Papers. Thank you for downloading the podcast. Thank you for listening to it and sharing it. So let's go to James Cleverly. You've made your point. Now end Gaza protests in The Times. The Home Secretary, I'm reading it now, has told pro-Palestinian demonstrators to stop their regular Gaza protests because they have made their point and are putting a huge pressure on policing. I suppose the protesters would argue, well, we haven't made our point, Home Secretary, or we're, we're making our point, but you're just not listening. Not only is your government refusing to condemn the slaughter, 
of the Palestinian people by the Israeli army. But uh, you can't even come up with a wording. You can't come up with any plan to pressurise Israel into stopping it. You know, no sanctions, none of that. Not only can you not do any of that, but you're accusing us of um, what are they of, of being pro-genocide ourselves. Now, the protesters don't speak with one voice, of course. But if they did, that's what they might say. You're gaslighting us. You're accusing us of being in the wrong for asking you to do something about the slaughter in Gaza. Um, so no, we'll, we'll carry on, thank you, until you get the message, maybe, is what the protesters might say. He's given an interview to the Times as cleverly. He says, also, it's vital that no MP felt bullied into changing their stance on the Israel-Gaza war in light of the protests. Again, this is gaslighting. The protesters might say, we're not bullying anybody. We are pressuring. We want to bring pressure to bear on our MPs to do something about it and stop virtue signalling to Israel, to their Zionist paymasters. Stop it now. Stop. You know, speak up. We pay your fucking wages. You know, you're supposed to represent us. We don't want Gaza's children to be slaughtered day in, day out by the Israelis. We don't want the British government to support it by sending Israel money every year, year on year, as the United States does. We want you to stop it, however, um, by any means necessary. So we'll continue to protest, we'll continue to threaten the MPs, not physically. Of course, nobody should threaten anybody. Violence is wrong. It's terribly wrong. But we'll be telling our MPs, you won't have our vote next time, love. Unless you stand up and make a statement on our behalf against what's happening in Gaza. That's all they're doing, really. So it's not bullying, it's pressuring. I think the organisers should recognise they've made their points this cleverly. The front, the cheek of the bastard. How dare you? They'll stop when they feel like stopping, not because you tell them to stop. And they might stop, as I said, if you did something about Israel. I imagine the protesters would never come out again. They would pack up and go home if the United Kingdom... Um, stopped vetoing, you know, joining in with the US and vetoing condemnation of what is going on. And if you, um, you know, decided to try and put sanctions on the Israeli government, I don't know, maybe called for a no-fly zone over Gaza, I think then the protesters would say, well, fair enough. Thanks for doing that. We'll go home now. We don't need to do anything else. Now, the government is, continue, is considering changing protest rules, you see, to make it more difficult to protest, to require organisations of a demonstration to give police more than the current six days' notice. So ultimately, they're really going to try and go after your right and my right and the right of every man and woman in this country to come out and protest whatever they think is worthy of protesting. So there you are. That's in the Times. The Telegraph. Britain rejects Macron's plan to send NATO troops to Ukraine. Yeah. This is, uh, this is the French president speaking after meeting with EU leaders in Paris. He said that boots on the ground should not be ruled out. He urged the West, according to the Telegraph, to do everything needed so Russia cannot win the war. So the mums and dads of French men and women serving in the French army, the mums and dads, and pretty much everybody else, what they should do, of course, is they should rock up to the, the Elysee Palace. In fact, they should rock up in their tens of thousands and threaten the little pipsqueak uh, Emmanuel Macron, 
you make any more overtures about sending French men and women into Ukraine to fight Russia, and we will throw you and that rotten pedophile that you married into the fucking sin. Do you understand that, you little pipsqueak? Do you understand? Make any more threats about sending our children into Ukraine to fight Russia, a country who's never attacked or has never threatened France, we will throw you and your wife into the Seine. You understand that? French used to be great at dealing with tyrants, you know, if you know your history. He used to be brilliant at dealing with them. And Macron, of course, is just a puppet, really, when all is said and done. Anyway, the United States said no, apparently. The, uh, the, the, the White House, as they call it, the communications department of the White House said, no, that's not going to happen. Germany said, no, that's not going to happen at all. Yeah, but it's, it's out there, isn't it? It's just out there, this idea, yeah, that rather than just send weapons and money, let's send some troops into Ukraine too. It's out there. Uh, Stéphane Sojourn, who's, uh, I probably pronounced that terribly, France's foreign minister stressed yesterday the troops could be sent to Ukraine on training missions or helping to build weapons without breaching the belligerence threshold. The Kremlin said any sign of NATO troops in Ukraine, and it's all out war. Yeah, yeah. The day might come, dearest listener, it might come today, when, you know, people in this country listening to the, th- listening to the tyrant James Cleverly, telling them they shouldn't come out and protest, the day might come, and I do dream of it, when the peoples of the world will march to their national parliaments and, and those that have palaces and just tell them all to get the fuck out. You've got an hour to get out. Um, it's, it's game over. I hope so. I dream of it. Peacefully, of course. Listen, we've had enough. Send them all into exile, the warmongering tyrants. Let's stay with the Telegraph. Here's a great headline. Rowling says, I'm sick of this shit after transgender cat killer is called a woman. You, me and everybody else, JK. She's criticised the transgender cat killer who murdered a stranger. And she's criticised that person being described as a woman, when, of course, it wasn't a woman, it was a man. As it emerged, judges have been told to refer to defendants by the pronouns they want. This is Scarlett Blake, 26, born male, says he's a woman, sentenced to life in jail with a minimum of 24 years um, on Monday for murdering a stranger. Blake was referred to as a woman throughout uh, the trial, and in some media reports. Rowling has been vocal about this, says The Telegraph, that's right, and spoke out after Sky News described Blake as a woman. Rowling, a real woman, tweeted, I'm sick of this shit. This isn't a woman. These are not our crimes. And this is very important, in fact, because it emerged that guidance for judges tells them to respect the gender identity of those who appear in the courts. And of course, the judgments, when recorded, okay, um, when, when recorded for uh, crime statistics, yes, historic crime statistics and what have you, are going to refer to the crime as having been committed by a woman. And that will skew crime statistics. The Judicial College, which advises judges to refer to the person's gender of choice rather than their biological reality, 
is facing criticism, campaigners saying the advice could lead to public perceptions and the statistics on women's crime being skewed. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus, we're seeing a lot of women committing rape these days, aren't we? Well, in fact, it's actually men identifying as women. It's been recorded as a woman was convicted. A woman was convicted. I know, it's absolutely crazy. Here's one in The Guardian. This is interesting now. Cash-strapped London Council starts crowdfunding drive to pay for green upgrades. Wow. Deep cuts to government funding have led to a council in South London asking its residents to invest their own money for a financial return to build cycle hangers, new LED street lighting and green upgrades at schools and leisure centres. In the midst of a financial crisis hitting town halls across England, councillors in Southwark have resorted to crowdfunding to raise £6 million over six years to help fund climate-friendly projects. Mark Windows would love this. Isn't this fascinating? Government is not doing it. Government is not doing enough to tackle the climate emergency. And that's what it's referred to in the Guardian article, the climate emergency. So what we'll do is... We'll ask the public to fund it locally, locally, global agenda but driven locally, and we'll offer them a 4.6% return on their money, and that's what Southwark is doing. Wow. An overwhelming majority of English local authorities are planning deep cuts to services and maximum possible council tax rises to remain financially solvent despite an extra £600 million cash injection from the government. And Emily Hickson is quoted by The Guardian. She's in Southwark, the Labour-run council's deputy cabinet member for green finance. She's their deputy cabinet member for green finance. And she's all for this. If the government won't do it, let's do it. Let's get citizens' assemblies up and running. Let's circumvent, let's circumnavigate democracy. Let's have our own democracy. And let's get people to pay for climate emergency schemes and we'll give them a return on their money. 4.6%. Wow. It's amazing this, isn't it? God, yeah, we'll investigate this a bit further and talk about it on the Richie Allen show. Yeah, it sounds great, but it isn't really. The Sun, work from home fury, calls to evacuate Parliament and MPs work from home due to protesters Branded surrender to the mob. This is about Harriet Harman, who uh, has uh, said that maybe, in light of the protests, the regular protests at the House of Commons at the uh, at Westminster, not just pro Palestine and pro peace protests, but other protesters, and th- there have been calls to protect MPs' safety and all of that. Harriet Harman has said that maybe MPs who are a bit concerned about their safety could work from home and even address the House of Commons via Zoom or video link when debates or Prime Minister's questions are in session. But there has been fury, a call, according to The Sun, with other MPs saying that this is the surrender of democracy. Uh, Chris Noble... Uh, of the National Police Chiefs Council said protesters are attacking the fabric and processes of our democracy. No, they're not, dickhead. They're exercising their human right to stand against tyranny 
and genocide and slaughter of children is what they're fucking doing. And if you don't like it, as I mentioned earlier on, do something to stop the slaughter of children, not just in Gaza, but in Yemen and everywhere else it's going on where British weaponry is being used and British money, you know, against people who've never raised a finger or even raised their voices in anger against the people of the UK. The cheek of them, you know. Um, Alex Burghardt, Cabinet Office Minister. We must not surrender the Houses of Parliament to them. And again, I, I dream. I dream of it being a bit more serious. I dream of hundreds of thousands descending upon these buildings and telling them the game is up now. You know, we're not going to be led or ruled by you or anybody else. We've had enough of you getting elected, asking us for our vote in return for your promises of better schools and better roads and better hospitals and less taxation and more money for all, all those lies. And then you get into Parliament and you you just become a pill-pushing, big pharma whore and military-industrial complex whore too. That's all you become. So we've had enough now. So I dream of that. I really do. Again, non-violent. Don't harm a hair on their heads. Just get rid of them. Harman told LBC that MPs are worried about their safety and they should be able to speak in their constituencies and vote online. And she talked about the murders of Joe Cox and David Amos. Rishi Sunak, um, according to number 10, believes, believes that she's wrong and he would not want to see anything restricting debate on the floor of the House. Yeah. Here's an interesting one in the mirror. It was on the front page, I think, of the Metro. Smokers could be forced to fork out £16 for a pack of cigarettes under Jeremy Hunt's budget plans. Now, I, for one, absolutely detest cigarette smoking. But I'm a liberal. I'm an old socialist, an old trade unionist. I've said that too many times. I know you're bored of hearing it. But I say it to make a point, to underscore what I'm saying. I believe in free choice and free will. And I would never tell somebody that, you know, that, that they must not smoke or that I, if, if I was running things, if I was in charge of society, I wouldn't tell people what they should and shouldn't do. That's not the sort of person I am. I believe in free will. But um, after the budget announcement next week, it might be 16 quid for a pack of 20. And it just brings back memories. I don't know if you've had people in your family or friends who smoked years ago and all of those promises, remember, well, if it goes up to £7, I'm definitely quitting. Well, I tell you, if they put it up to £9, I, I'm quitting. If it goes to £12, but maybe £16 might be a bridge too far for, for some people. If you smoked 20 a day, that would be 7 times 16 is it's 112 quid, is it? My mathematics now at 6.28am, not great. That would be 112 quid a week and that would be over £400 a month. Jesus. So increasing tobacco duty, also increasing the taxation around vaping as well, likely to be in the budget next uh, week. Filthy habit, never touched it. It's one of those things I'm quite proud of. I think most people would say, even most non-smokers would say, that they maybe tried it one time when they were a teenager and were were overcome by a coughing fit and 
never went near it again. But I, I didn't even do that. I've never even held one in my hand. And there are other reasons for that, which I won't get into this morning, depressing reasons, around my hatred for my parents, my visceral hatred for them. And um, yeah, other authority figures when I was younger. So I hate the things, but I wouldn't stop anybody. But 16 quid, Jesus. Wow. The average cost of 20 in the UK at the moment is £14.39. How does anybody afford it? I don't know. Let's have another story from the Times. This made me laugh. Sacked train driver to get job back after tarantula prank. (laughs) When I read it, I wondered about it. I thought, surely he's not taking a pet tarantula and trying to scare passengers with it, or or somebody he works with. It's not quite as bad. He was sacked for leaving tarantula remains and a snake skin in a colleague's pigeonhole. He was sacked for playing a prank. You know the pigeonhole where you get your internal mail at work. An employment tribunal not only overturned his sacking, but gave him £22,000. Jonathan Richardson, the train driver... The tribunal ruled that his workplace antics were humorous pranks conducted without the intention of causing distress. Um, He was driving and now will drive again for West Midlands trains. He acknowledged that he left the tarantula remains after a female colleague said that spiders made her squeamish. He told the tribunal he'd been attempting to elicit momentary shock followed by light-hearted relief from the woman and hadn't anticipated that she would be so distressed by the incident. The tribunal exonerated him even after learning that he performed a subsequent prank with a snake skin despite his colleague having threatened to report him to railway bosses after the spider joke. Serial prankster Mr Richardson will get his job back and presumably a final warning. Hmm... It has been my experience over the years that pranksters um, are often not very... They often fail to see the funny side of it when they themselves are pranked. That's been my experience. You know, the people who like to do things like that, who like to scare you for a laugh. They're often not so full of fun when the tables are turned on them. Maybe that isn't the case with uh, Mr. Richardson. But I wouldn't personally, if somebody said to me they were a bit nervous around spiders, I wouldn't be leaving the remains of a tarantula for them. That's not what I would be doing. Let's look briefly at the BBC News website. The BBC News website is running an interview with the former England international women's footballer, Eni Aluko. You know this Mariana Spring, you know, the BBC's disinformation and social media correspondent. Um, Spring um, basically has dedicated her life to discuss and to try and do something about online abuse. That's what Mariana Spring is all about, right? And to expose this information. Now, Joey Barton used to play for Man City and used to play for Liverpool. And I'm sure, No, he didn't. He didn't. He played for City and he played for Newcastle. And I'm sure he played for one or two other clubs as well. But my memory is not with me this morning. And Barton has spent a bit of time lately taking the piss out of female football pundits and making stupid comments about their punditry and their abilities, right? Which he's entitled to do. So the, they've spoken to this Aluko and she said 
that Elon Musk is allowing people to vomit their hatred unchecked. That is a direct quote. To vomit their hatred. She said that black women are being systematically targeted. That would be black women working in the media. So she spoke exclusively to Mariana Springs' BBC4 podcast. She repeatedly reported Barton to Twitter, but she was very distressed that Twitter didn't do anything about it. So um, she also went on to say she was scared to leave the house, which I think is a bit much, really. The thing which fascinates me about this is we were brought up to ignore people who said things, A, we didn't like, or B, said things about us that were a bit, well, a bit hurtful. We were told to ignore them, to laugh them off, or, yeah, basically, to to just avoid people who behaved like that. And if you couldn't, I mean, if they were following you around, well, you know, there are ways and means of dealing with them. In this case, this woman says, Barton has millions of followers, and when he says something nasty, his followers retweet it, and it feels like the world's caving in on you. Now, the thing that really pisses me off about all of this is, is the tools are at your disposal. A, you can mute or block the person, but more importantly, and this doesn't get mentioned often enough, you can mute the conversation. It gives you options. I'm on Twitter right now looking at my options. So if I go into Twitter right now, it's BBG Richie. Follow it if you if you want. You won't get much from it because I don't tweet very often. But there you are. So I'm looking at a notification. So I think somebody said something rude about me yesterday, which I find hilarious. Yeah, that's right. Somebody criticising my interview with Nick Collis. Fair enough, right? Uh, that's fine. So I can go in there now. The, the, I can mute the person tweeting me. I can block him. I won't, of course. Why would I? Or I can leave and mute the conversation. Meaning that anybody else who joins in and says, oh, Richie is shit at broadcasting, or Richie is brilliant, or Richie is diabolical, Richie's actually not that bad. I won't see any of it. Just won't see it, you see. So that's the issue here, you know. Uh, what what needs to be said to the likes of any Aluko is, uh, Joey Barton might be a bit of an arse, but um, Joey Barton should be allowed to say whatever he wants about your ability or lack of to uh, opine on football matches. And you have the ability to mute him and the conversation, which will mute anybody else. And therefore, when you go on Twitter, you won't be confronted by hearty words. It's as simple as that. It's what we should teach our children. You know, don't be too concerned about the opinions of strangers. They don't mean anything to you. The only people's opinions who should matter to you are the people you love and respect. Because those people will generally tell you the truth when you're a little bit out of line or when you're not very good at something and you might need to improve. But perfect strangers, I get it all the time. Every broadcaster does. It's good fun. I'd rather they were talking about me and tweeting about me than not. And that's a lesson you learn after 25 years in broadcasting. It's great. You don't see people like Piers Morgan and others getting that upset when people go on Twitter to say that he's a fucking idiot. No, he just wants people to be talking about him. As do I, really. Because it's good for the reach of the Richie Allen Show. That is it for the papers this Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening to me. I hope you found some of it interesting. Now, the Richie Allen Radio Show will be live at 4pm this afternoon. That's UK time. 
I hope you'll join me there. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. And thanks again. Bye now. Bye. Bye.